on. It's good to be here with you all today. Super excited about bringing the word. God is good. It was a great weekend, huh? I know some. I mean, I thought it was fun having. A, we don't always have a, a big the Ohio State Michigan game. Like I know it's always near Thanksgiving, but it was kind of fun being like, just was like a big long weekend of celebration and fun and. And I don't know if you guys saw on Facebook, but I won $100. That made me excited. I know you all saw that, man. That was so exciting. I've never won anything. So this coat is $100. They marked it down to $29.99, and I got it for free. So, yeah, I made the checkout lady take a picture with me. It was awesome. (laughs) God is good. You know what? We were spreading holiday cheer and and love and and, uh, showing Christ everywhere we went. My sister even passed out... um, chocolate chocolate covered pretzel rods to the target workers so you know yeah <laughs> we we had some good times it was a, it's great getting together with a family and enjoying things and I, I mean it was just like an awesome week and then last week celebrating 10 years as a church how exciting is that god is good and then so i'm going to repeat this for those who maybe missed it last week maybe if you weren't here uh, just to, to let you in. So you guys, those who have been with us for some part of this journey and know uh, Josh and I have always had a heart for church planning. Um, it's been prophesied over us from early on that we would plant other churches. And so God kind of, uh, we kind of had like a fresh Prince of Bel-Air moment, like with the Lord, you know, when our life got flipped, turned upside down. Um, and God, we always had in our heart that we thought we were going to plant another, you know, urban or inner city church. And the Lord said, actually, I want you to go, um, out here past the suburbs, even more so in the rural part. Um, and so we say we have our church now in the hood and, and hopefully by Easter next year, we'll, we'll have our church in the wood. So we're going to be, uh, planting a church out in Waterville. Super exciting. But I want to, again, remind you guys, we're, we do not plan on uh, taking anything from here. We don't plan on depleting what God has already in, deposited in here. And so we're going to oversee both. And we're hoping that God is going to bring on some new people with us and raise up a whole new team out there. But you know what? Whatever God wants, because really, we're not in charge, right? When we serve God, it's kind of like whatever God says, He's we don't really have a choice. It's what God says, right? When you really give your heart to the Lord... He does. He flips our life upside down and is whatever he says. And so super exciting about that. If you want to ask details, um, I really don't have any for you yet, but I could try my best. If you want to, you know, call me, text me or, uh, you know, meet me at the church or whatever, I I would be more than happy to sit down and talk to you. Um, But just letting you guys know, I don't know very many details yet. I do know uh, a couple things. Bailey and Jonas, who were worship leaders with us before Dorinthia, they're going to come over with us to Waterville. That's the only people that I know that's coming um, to help start that we are going to be in both locations you're not going to not see me I'm going to still be here guys so we're going to go back and forth between both churches and um, we'll see what God does but it's super exciting so I just want to re um, because I know not everybody makes every single week so I didn't want you to just hear that through the grapevine I want you to hear that from me so that is your announcement before we get into the word of God okay good let's pray would you bow your heads with me heavenly father I thank you Lord God for what you're doing 
God, I thank you. One of my favorite scriptures is that you begin a good work in us and you are faithful to bring it to completion. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every single person here that has heard your voice and and maybe has had a dream that they have felt has died. Lord, I pray that you would resurrect that dream, that you would resurrect that vision over their life right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those who feel like they've been sitting on the sidelines and haven't been able to jump into what you are calling them to do. God, that they would get into the game, Lord God, that they wouldn't just be spectators, Lord God, but they would be participators, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would raise up in this place servants of the Lord, Lord God, who who would give everything to you, that would full uh, with our full hearts lord god surrender to you god i thank you uh that you would raise up people in this room lord jesus that would go to the furthest parts of the earth lord god and god i pray right now in this room that you would raise up good fathers and good mothers lord god god that you would raise up obedient teenagers and 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 children in this house lord god that you would raise up uh radical lovers of god that would not be ashamed of the gospel and the power thereof lord god but they would spread your word everywhere they go that every school would have a representation of Christ from vision ministries Lord God that every workplace Lord God that you would raise up radical lovers all around this city of people who love you and who are willing to serve with their full heart in Jesus name amen so we're uh starting a just a two-week series before we go into our Christmas series but how cute is the the decorations those of you who just love it we're not done yet so if you want to come i mean this is a big old building to decorate so if you want to come during the week and help us do some more things that would be awesome but francis sent us a little helper set up these um last week so super excited it's just a, a wonderful time of the year so we're going to do a new sermon series for the next two weeks called going higher you say going higher and in the lord when we want to go higher we first got to go lower you know, it's his, he really, his kingdom is upside down. So if we want to be great, we got to become least. If we want to be the front of the line, we need to go to the back of the line. You know what I mean? Like that's God's principles. His principles are different than ours. And there's a scripture, Matthew 20, 25 and 26 that says, Jesus called them together and said, you know, the rulers and the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, say instead. One of those, sometimes those small words right there are, are, are big in, in the kingdom. We've got to pay attention to it. It says, instead, say it again. Instead. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And so when Ron Tia was with us last week, he, he kept talking about the Dead Sea. And he, and he said it more, more than once. And it just really stuck um, you know, in my spirit, man, you know how sometimes someone will, will say something that won't even be the main point of what they're talking about, but it really speaks to you. That, has that ever happened to you guys? Well, that was happening to me when he was talking about the Dead Sea. And he was talking about the Dead Sea and talking about how, you know, the reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it has inflow of water, but it doesn't have an outflow. And I was just thinking, man, that is, that is, can be illustrated in so many different ways, but that is how the church has become. In many ways, we want all this inflow and in the church in America specifically. I mean, we have so much information we got. I mean, we got all you got to do is you don't even have to go to the Christian bookstore and buy a Bible anymore. It's free. Every translation that you want on the Internet. I mean, like there's so many cool apps. There's so many things. There's so many great teachers out there that I mean, it's so easy to to listen to great sermons and great messages and just get what I like to say. You know, we've become spiritually obese in the American church. Oh, we don't like to talk about that after Thanksgiving, though, huh? I know, right? 
Oh my goodness, Lord, my trainer's going to have a, a number on me this week. I mean, we've become spiritually obese because we keep taking it all in. Like, oh, that's a good sermon. Let me hear it again. Or, or oh, I just want to take it all in. And I need to go to a church that's going to meet my needs and service what I want. And I can't have anything change ever because I want everything to be the same so that I'm used to it and that I'm comfortable. The most important thing for me to go to church is to be comfortable. And I need to feel loved. And I need, I need to, you know, you know, we, we make all these rules. We have all these checklists of what we want, right? And it becomes all about us, kind of like the Dead Sea. We have all the inflow. But then what we mess up is... The reason people become spiritually obese is because they're taking everything in, but they're not exercising their faith. And we need to exercise our faith. It's not just about what we know, but how are we walking out what we know? Because really, you know, we come to hear the next great word, but did you be, were you obedient to the last word that you heard? Right? And so God has been showing me, like, and I just, I just can't let go of it. I'm thinking about it in every area. Like, are we raising children that are going to be, you know, dead seed children, you know? Like, my children go to a Christian school, and they're around Christian people, and my family, I'm blessed. You know, my parents are saved, and Josh's mom, and we have extended family that know the Lord, and so I'm blessed. My kids are around that, but I don't want them to only see that. So can I take them somewhere where there's some other children that they, that aren't saved, so that they can just be a light around there? You know what I mean? Can I help them reach out to others are we raising spiritually obese children right and so i'm looking at every area of of life and i don't want to be a dead sea christian and so thinking of all that i'm thinking okay god what is the number one thing that we can do so that we're not dead sea christians and i felt the lord dropped in my spirit this week to serve can you say to serve And so we're going to talk about taking your serve to the next level. And I got a small gift for you that's going to help you out, ushers, if you want to come forward. Oh, I even caught it, man. We didn't even plan that because I'm so not athletic. But I caught this. Um, (laughs) We get balls. Now, this is the thing. Do not hit me with this ball. Do not throw it to your neighbor after church, whatever, as long as you don't mess up these beautiful decorations in here. You can, you can have some fun. But this is to remind you. This is one of my favorite scriptures, Matthew 20, 28. And it's Jesus, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God, I'm giving you this to remind you, you can set it up, you know, somewhere. You can set it up somewhere in your house. You can play with it next time you go play tennis. I don't care what you do with it. But this is just a reminder that God wants us to serve. And today I want to talk about how we can improve your serve. Say improve your serve. Now, tennis players, it's pretty important if you're going to be a professional tennis player that you learn to improve your serve. Now, I never really was quite athletic in my day. I was a cheerleader before cheerleaders were athletes. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I was. I know we got some cheerleaders in the house, but I was a cheerleader before cheerleaders were athletes. We were just cute, wore little skirts and could scream really loud. That was me back in the day. Okay, before, I didn't do flips and all that stuff. Don't throw me up in no air. Are you crazy? But, so I really wasn't an athlete, but the one sport that I tried in the very beginning of our marriage, actually, we might have still been engaged. I, I don't know, like, when Josh and I first got together, was tennis. Because of my father. My father loved tennis. And it was a great workout, you know, but I never really did get very good at it. But I realized if you want to improve 
your serve, or if you want to be good at tennis, you need to improve your serve. That's pretty important. And so today we're going to, if we want to, to make a difference in the kingdom of God, we also need to improve our serve. We need to get better at being servants. A lot of times, you know, we have such an emphasis in the church on leadership, leadership, leadership. It's so important. Leadership. We need leaders. We need young people to rise up and be leaders. We need leaders in kids church. We need leaders in outreach. We need leaders. But you don't really see that in the Bible. It's not like a huge emphasis on leadership. And I love leadership. I feel that 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 is a spiritual gift that I have. But listen, the emphasis in the Bible is servanthood. God wants us to be servants. But we're so focused in the American church on how to be a leader that we forget to be a leader, we have to be a servant. And so I want you to know that we can improve our service. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. Service, Service for me is not natural. I'm just a bit of a naturally, a little bit of a diva, okay? So I had to learn to be a servant because it didn't come natural. And, it, and, you know, it caused a lot of trouble in the beginning of our years of our marriage because my husband really didn't, that wasn't his number one gift and that wasn't my number one gift. And we both kind of got married thinking the other person was going to just, like, take care of each other, you know? And so we had to learn to serve, to serve. Friends, God wants to raise up servants. Can you say servants? Now, there's a story um, in the Bible, a, a familiar one that you may have heard of, of Mary and Martha. And can you go ahead and t- take, uh, put that slide on? So in Luke 10:38 and 32, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha said, But... Told you, it's those little connecting words. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So this, this story right here in the Bible, it kind of like makes us think, well, Jesus is, is talks throughout the, the scriptures, the New Testament. There's so many scriptures, and we're going to get into some of them, about the importance of being a servant but here is Martha, and we all want to, like, get on her, like, oh, you know, she was distracted, and she was doing the lesser thing. But Martha was serving, and God wants us to be servants. And she wasn't just serving. I mean, she was literally serving Jesus. I mean, like, she wasn't just serving anyone, right? Can you, come on, ladies who, who got their, their stuff, or, or men. I know there's some of you in here that are all about getting that turkey just right, right? How much work we put into Thanksgiving dinner. Sometimes it can be stressful. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ himself in the flesh came over for Thanksgiving? Oh, whew. I mean, now it's not just about how good the food tastes. Now we got to step, step it up. So, I mean, we need to set up that table really pretty. We can't just be serving Jesus on like the styrofoam, man. Not even, not even the good, thick, hefty plates. I mean, we got to bust out like the best dishes we have right now. Imagine with me, Martha, 
And she has a sister, okay? And so she's she's getting everything ready, and here's her sister who's supposed to be helping her sin at Jesus' feet, and she's like, Jesus, please tell Mary to get back in the kitchen and help me. <laughs> that's another sermon in itself. I'm not going back to the kitchen, friends, but that's another ser- sermon in itself. But listen, Jesus told Martha that Mary chose the better thing. Now, this is what I want to propose to you today. Martha, Martha could have been serving and still chose the better thing. Because if we do what we do unto the least of these, this is what the Bible says, we do unto the Lord. But instead it says she was distracted. So if you want to improve your service to the Lord, we have to remember it's to the Lord. And so I'm going to hit a couple things, and we're going to go back and talk about Martha and Mary and some other things. But I'm going to hit five ways to improve your serve. Say five ways. To improve your serve. And we're going to break down that word serve as as an acrostic. I'm glad my husband knows me. Okay, number one, if you want to improve your serve, we need to learn to go the second mile. Say second mile. The second mile. You may have heard this scripture. Matthew 5, 41 says this. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Hmm. The second mile. See, this command by Jesus is known by some theologians as the second mile principle. See, during this time when Jesus spoke this, he was speaking it to his disciples. He was speaking it to Jewish people. And it was during a time that the Roman Empire basically had um, rule over their nation. And one of the laws was that if a Roman soldier and they would, you know, carrying their big book bags, I have, I have an army guy here in the front row, you know, those big stuff that you carry. Yeah. So back in the day, the Roman guys were carrying the big stuff and they would come across a Jewish man or a Jewish boy even. And it was by law, if they wanted to break, I mean, listen, they didn't have cars that they can just like, or, or tanks or stuff, you know, like we, we have today. I mean, soldiers, okay? I'm trying to get you in a soldier. I'm a girl. I'm trying, I'm trying my best, okay? They couldn't just put it on the seat next to them. They had to carry it. And so when they came across a, a Jewish man or a Jewish boy, they would, it, by law, give it to them, and that person had to carry it a mile, they had to carry a mile. It was by law. But best believe, once that mile was up, that Jewish man and that Jewish boy was like, Psh, here's your stuff, Roman pigs. <laughs> you know you know they didn't like them. Oh, snap, right? They didn't like them. They weren't going an extra mile. And Jesus looked at the Jewish men and said, if someone asks you, if someone forces you, if someone compels you to carry Or if someone compels you to go one mile, I'm telling you, go two. Friends. So it's not just, I'm going to walk with you for, you know, we think, we we listen to that scripture and we think, well, I'm going to walk with you for a while. I'm going to help you out on your journey with the Lord. No, God is saying, whatever you have in your mind to do, you go even further than that. That's the second mile principle. That's going, and this principle in the early church was, this, this was one of the scriptures that, that Jesus spoke, one of the words that Jesus spoke, that on the early church it was so profound, it was, they took that in, that was so countercultural for them, that it, it became known, even in the early church fathers even knew about this, the theologians called it the second mile principle, it even came over into modern language where we say, go the extra mile. 
This all came from Jesus, friends, to go the extra mile. I'm going to tell you today, friends, if we want to improve our serve, we need to go the extra mile. See, Martha was distracted. She didn't go the extra mile. Instead, she complained while she's serving. How many of us have been there? Oh, I'm making this turkey for these kids who probably aren't going to eat it. All they're going to barely eat is the roll. Come on. Right? We ain't going the extra mile. Oh, my goodness. They didn't even, they couldn't even sit down at the table. They just took their stuff. You got the people who will come real quick, grab a plate and go. And we're thinking, going the extra mile. Well, how about in life in general? How about at work when we're asked to do a project and we do it, but only what they say and we don't put in that extra? How about when it's an assignment at school, young people, and we have to write a paper and we're going to write just, we're going to do bare minimum. We're not going to put an extra hour studying because that's going to take away from our me time, our fun time, our video game time, our shopping time, our hangout with our friends time. How about, well... I was called to volunteer at church in the nursery today. I'm going to show up right on time. Maybe maybe they'll be lucky if I get there one minute early. I'm going to do my duty, but I'm not going to go the extra mile and come early, and I'm not going to be prepared, and I'm not going to really give these kids my all. Friends, how many of us serve God like that? Well, I'm going to read my one scripture a day to keep the devil away, but don't let me really get into the word. <laughs> don't let me really... Go an extra mile. God, if we, God, God, help us. Because we need to be servants. And to be a servant, we really need to learn to go the extra mile. Friends, Jesus even had to have somebody go an extra mile with him. When Jesus was on his way to the cross for you and me, for our sins. He met a man named Simon from Cyrene who was there among the crowd. Who, guess what? The Romans grabbed him and said, carry this cross, even Jesus needed someone to go the extra mile for him. And I believe that just like the, the ram that was in the bushes, that God had Simon there for a reason to help his son, Jesus. Friends, when we go an extra mile, you don't know who you're serving. But the Bible says when we serve the least of these, we're serving him. And everything that we do, we should do it unto the Lord. It's time... As a church, we go the second mile, that we go the distance. Amen? We're called to serve and to do more than expected. There are only two types of Christians on this side of eternity, friends. Those who travel the second mile and those who do not. Who leave the work for others. Let's be those who go the second mile. As we're preparing to plant another campus, not another church, but another campus, another expression of vision ministries in a different community. As we plan to do that, we need people to go the second mile. We need people to to rise up right here on South and Broadway and to take ownership, to, to help serve more, to take our different ministries that we already have in existence to the next level. And we're going to need people that God is going to raise up to help do what God has called us to do. We need second mile Christians. Amen. So if you want to improve your serve, we need to go the second mile. The next thing we need to do, if you want to improve your serve, is we need to learn to empty ourselves. Can you say empty yourself? To empty yourself means to humble yourself. Say humility. 
Oh, you just can't get away with, with, from that in the kingdom of God. See, Matthew 23, 11 and 12 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest must be what? A servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now let's think about that. Those who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now going back to Martha and Mary, Martha kind of, you know, she kind of exalted herself for a minute. She, you know, the Bible talks about when we do serve, we're not supposed to do it for all to see. We're kind of supposed to do it in a secret place just so God can see, right? But she went right to God, Jesus Christ in the flesh, and said, listen, do you not see all the work I'm doing? You need to get so-and-so to get over here and help me. She exalted herself, right? Sometimes that's how we, how we do we're exalting ourselves and saying, do you not see everything I'm doing? We want all the attention. We want all the accolade. We want all the attaboys. And we're just exalting ourselves. And God says, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. I'm going to humble you. But if you humble yourself, then I'm going to exalt you. See, when we read this scripture, and the, we read it as, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. But when you really read the original translation, the Greek, it actually kind of says this. If you want to be great, you got to be a slave. Ouch. We don't like that. So we soften it up in our English translation. But friends, it's countercultural. It's a radical teaching of Jesus to define the greatness in terms of servanthood. Because slaves were socially inferior. They, they were not on the same level. And even the few masters who believed that slaves were maybe theologically equals would not go as far as Jesus did and saying, if you want to be great, you got to be a slave to all, friends. Hmm. But we want to fight for our rights. We are Americans. <laughs> if the disciples wanted to be leaders in the kingdom, they first had to become servants. What is a servant? Well, when one online commentary says this, a servant... In our English New Testament usually represents the Greek dubless bond slave. Say bond slave. Sometimes it also means diaconus, which means a deacon or a minister. Interesting, hmm? This is strictly accurate. These Greek words are synonyms. Both words denote a man who is not of his own disposal but is his master's purchase property. Bought to serve his master's needs, to be at his beck and call every moment. The slave's sole business is to do as he is told. Christian service, therefore, means first and foremost, living out a slave relationship to one's savior. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Can we all just say, hmm? Oh, but I want to preach. Man, that's the easy, that, that's, that's the fun part. That's the up, up front part. It's the taking the phone calls and talking someone through things when, when you've already done it several times. That's the not fun part. It's the other things. It's the starting out being the bookkeeper when I had to have much help in math growing up. To start off being the janitor and the youth pastor and the anything else, the worship leader, anything else that needed to be done. That's, that is, is the being the slave to all, friends. That's what a servant, that's what 
when you look at the actual word minister, that's what it means. It means slave. Are you kidding me? You want to sign up to be a slave? Awesome. We need more. But know what you're getting into. Because in America, we've glamorized so many things, including the pulpit. There's some churches that people aren't even allowed to go behind the pulpit. (laughs) It's become an idol. We've glamorized a lot of things, friends. But God is saying, to be first, you need to be last. To be great, you need to be least. To be be the, the best, you need to be the servant to all. Here's the principle. If you want to become truly great, then we must give up our personal rights and serve others. We need to repeatedly remind, be reminded that our central ambition should not be to minister to people, or should not be minister to people, not to be, um, it should be, let me say this again, guys, rewind. We need to be reminded that our central uh, uh, ambition should be minister to people, and that minister means again, serve people, be a slave to all, not be admired by them. But words of affirmation is my love language. I've used that one to the Lord before. I'm just telling you. That's, that's, but, but God, words of affirmation is my love language. You made me like this. <laughs> Can I just get a little bit of respect? Can I just get a little bit of love and attention? Oh, man, this one slaps me upside down, friends. Humility is key to serving others. It's time to empty ourselves. Amen. It's time to empty ourselves. It's time to empty ourselves. If we want to be a servant, it's time to empty ourselves. Improve your serve. Improve your serve. Go the second mile. Empty yourself. And thirdly, if you want to improve your serve, we need to start by receiving our reward in heaven. Say, in heaven. Matthew 6, 1 through 6. I'm just going to read the first part. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. To be seen by them. If you do, you will not have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you go to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. I think if Jesus wrote this today, he would say, listen, don't tell everybody all your business when you do something good. Don't get on Facebook, Snapchat, iChat, iMessage, whatever, Twitter, and go tell everybody, I just saw a homeless person and I gave them some money. But when you serve, do it in secret. It says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, those of you guys who are married in here and you might have a nosy spouse, you got to work even harder. My husband one time turned to me and said, woman, how's my right hand not supposed to know what my left hand's doing when you're always finding out everything? You just got to be sneakier about it, man. I can't help it. <laughs> Listen, friends, we've got to give in secret. And this is so awesome. I've, I know of people and I've, it's, so, it's so fun when you get a surprise and when someone does something in secret. Like last week, I had no idea that you guys were going to do that. I was sitting there in the front row. I had no idea that you guys put together a little video and that you're going to come up with flowers. I had no idea. That touched my heart. I was walking on cloud nine for like I still kind of got a little extra. I didn't even need to wear heels today, guys, because I'm like three inches taller, man. I'm telling you. And I had no idea it was coming. You guys did that in secret. And I've seen other people. I mean, I know people who have dropped off 
$1,000 bills, rang the doorbell at people's houses and, and taken off. I know of people who have given out their winter coat and their wife didn't even know for months. I know of people who have dropped off diapers at new mom's house, rang the door, but, but I'm talking and left and watched them open that up. Secret giving is awesome. It is so much fun. We don't have to wait to Christmas time to be a secret Santa, friends. We can do it all year long with Jesus. But when we do it, we need to know that we're doing it to get our reward in heaven. We're not giving to think that God is going to give us an interest. Oh, I gave $100, so tomorrow I'm going to get 1000 That's how some of us, that's how some of this, uh, this stuff has been taught in the church. You sow your seed of $500, and then tomorrow, you know what I mean? Come on, friends. No, we need to give so that we can build our treasure in heaven. And so in order to do this, you know what needs to happen? We need to check our motives. Say, check your motives. Mm, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, I just went all the way back to high school on y'all. <laughs> we need to serve for God's eyes, not man's applause. Oh, serve for God's eyes, not man's applause. I'm telling you, there's been some people... That they get frustrated. I've had people, oh, they get frustrated. And you can see it on, and God is not going to promote you until that gets out of you. Oh, well, they got all the recognition and all the props from the front, and, and I worked just as hard, and nobody ever said anything to me. Who are you working for? We need to remember when we serve others, we serve Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, and I've said this over and over, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We need to improve our serve by building our reward in heaven. Fourth point, to improve our serve, we need to value others. Say value Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Valuing others is a way of serving them, friends. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, To add value to others, one must first value others. So if you want to add value to someone, we first just got to value them. We, we uh, did a fast not too long ago in, in October, and it was return to your first love fast. And part of that fast, we asked people every day, find a way to add value to somebody. Find a way to encourage somebody. Find a way to, to you know, walk with somebody a little bit further. Find a way to add value to another person. Sometimes we get so stuck on whatever we're going through, that, you know what, when we actually take a look at somebody else and add value to them, it's going to make our own problems not seem so significant. True service is putting other people's needs before your own. The thing is, when we take care of God's business, he takes care of ours. I was just walking with a, a friend of mine, and uh, we were talking about some of her extended family and some things that's going on and she was just sharing her heart and I, I prayed with with my friend and I said man remember what the Lord spoke to you and this this person has been through a lot I said remember what the Lord spoke to you when years and years ago that if you would take care of his family he would take care of yours and friends I believe that's a word for so many of us because a lot of times what happens is when we get our life right with God and we get ourselves together then all of our family that's still needy, that's still 
kind of in that miry pit, if you know what I mean. They're coming to us for us to save them. But you're not the Savior. You're just someone who's been saved by the Savior. And so you can point them to Jesus, but you're going to run yourself crazy trying to save everybody, friends. We can be the light, and we can point to the light, and we're to be a witness. Don't get me wrong. But we are not Jesus. We are not the Savior. We can point to the Savior. And when, when we are true servants, then it's not about being seen. A servant, they were never to even be seen. There's, they were to be there, but they were not to be seen. They were not in the spotlight, friends. They were back in the corner taking care of business, making things look good. That's what we're called to be. To be, to be the behind the scenes, to take care of business, to not always have to be in the spotlight, not to always get all the applause. If we would learn, if we would learn, friends, to give glory to God in, our, in us adding value to others. The way we can add value to others, the best way, is to point them to Jesus. And you don't have to, man, don't be all, you know, beat them over the head with a Bible type of pointing. Okay? But just let your light shine. Just be kind. When you're out shopping, and guess what? People always complain, oh, the crazy shoppers. And I took my son, Shua. He went out with us for the first time this year. He's 13. He went out only for part of it. He couldn't hang for the, I mean, we put in a work day through the night. We shopped like eight hours. He couldn't hang with all that. So, but he went out for the first couple hours, and he was like, you know, and, and I left him by himself, you know, standing over by, by some things that I want him to get while I was standing on the other side of the store by some things that I wanted to get. And so <laughs> I said, I gave him the thing. I said, Shua, he's like, man, you know, this crazy, you know, I hear all these crazy stories. I said, I have never once been treated in, in a crazy way because the people treat you the way you treat them. I said, you set the atmosphere. You set the atmosphere. I said, make, make friendship, you know, be kind. And my sister's like, but don't be a pushover. I'm like, yeah, but don't be a pushover, but be nice and be kind. <laughs> and, and there's that balance and adding value. So a couple days before then, we went and, and Joshua opened a savings account for the, you know, for the first time. He's turned 13. We said it's time to be responsible. And so he took some money that he had got blessed with for his birthday and we, we started a savings account. And we went to Fifth Third Bank and we sat down with the manager. And this manager was so amazing. This guy, I mean, he just treated us so kindly and he just like looked Joshua in the eyes and talked to him like a man and showed him how to do this. And, you know, you know, they were talking about balancing the, a checkbook and Joshua was like, yeah, I learned this from school and come to find out that the, the manager of this bank actually graduated from the same school that Shua went to, and they, they just bonded. And Shua ended up inviting him to church. Well, he ended up being a pastor's kid himself and a worship leader now, a grown man working a full-time job. But he just said, he just encouraged him and said, man, that's so awesome, though. You didn't know that about me. That's so awesome. And he did this. I didn't say, hey, Shua, do you got a church card? going? No, he, he pulled that out of his own wallet. He did that on, on his own. But this is, I'm sharing this story to say that man and that manager added value to my son. He didn't, he didn't just do his job. He went the second mile the way he did his job. And when Joshua left out of there, he said, Mom, that guy set the atmosphere in that bank. Joshua noticed that at 13. I said, that is what Christian workers are supposed to always be. We are to be the head and not the tail, friends. Everywhere you work should be better. One of, one of the young people just worked at my, my girl, Asia. She just worked at McDonald's. And what did I tell you when you got that job at McDonald's? Do you remember what I told you? Well, you got to remember, and I'm telling you, it's going to be on, on video or on whatever this is, recording. I said, McDonald's better be faster now, at least one step faster, because my girl Asia is working there. Because you're a Christian, and you serve God, and you come from good parents and a good church, and you, 
it better be better, right? We're to add value everywhere we go, friends. True service is putting others before ourselves. And so when we go to our job place, let's add value to our boss. Let's add value to our company. Let's add value to the factory. When we go to school, let's add value to that school. Let's make it better. Improve your serve. And finally, we want to improve your serve. We need to follow the example of Jesus. Example of Jesus. That's why I chose Matthew 20, 28 on the ball. Because just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That is our example to follow. We're not here to be served. Yes, we're going to, if we're all serving, you will be served, right? Someone is going to serve you if we're all serving. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to serve and to give our life. In this case, if we're wondering how to do this, Jesus himself offers himself as a perfect role model. Jesus is both our example and our motivation when it comes to serving. We read Philippians 2, I believe, and we'll read again, 3 and 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And it goes on and it says, your attitude, in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We need to follow his example. He served the needs of others And then he demonstrated his ultimate act of servanthood and when he gave his life as a payment, friends, as a payment for your sins and for my sins to set us free. This is the true standard of greatness is found in the Savior's pattern of self-sacrifice. Now we're to follow his example. When New Testament speaks of ministering to the saints, it means not the, it's not primarily talking about preaching to them, but devoting time to the troubled, to devote time to to encourage and to lift up. The essence of Christian service is loyalty to the king, expressing itself in care for his servants. Matthew 25, 35 and 36, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes. And you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Would you stand to your feet with me, friends? God is calling us to improve our serve. He's calling us to go higher and to order to go higher, we must go lower. In your notes, if you, if, if you would have followed along on the talk it over sheet, it says, write down three ways that I can serve others more. I want you to close your eyes right now and I want you to just get quiet before the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord, show me in some way how I can serve others more than what I'm doing now. You know what? Sometimes service starts in your own house. Sometimes it starts in your own house. Sometimes it starts with, instead of changing your perspective, I used to put, I used to think of when someone was in a crisis, we used to even say, oh, it's a crisis Christian. They would only come to church when they're in a crisis. I had to change my perspective of that because it used to annoy me. Oh, you want to come to church when you want us to pray for you to get a new job, but then when you get it, you're, you're not coming anymore. Or when you, you want to come to church when you're in a crisis with your family, but once it gets worked out, now, now you're too good and you don't. And I, I had to change my perspective, friends. And it's something that I still have to go before the Lord. And when I changed my perspective, I said, the, a crisis is a friend to the church. 
Because it's in that time that we can step in and we can be the light and we can point them to Jesus. I want to encourage you. Think for a moment. Who in your life can you step up your service to? Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband.